my voice is uh, feel like it's extra powerful out there, and don't want you to don't want you to cover your ears. Um, you know, I, I like you have been crying out to the Lord because what my present experience is isn't what I want it to be. I think that there is so much more in God to experience than what I have currently experienced in my life. That uh, when I look into spiritual places and I look into places of growth and grow and places of opportunity, there seems to be so much more in God that I haven't experienced yet. And so I know that our nature as carnal people are, you know, very microwave. I want it now. But God has a time and a season for everything. Amen? And I want you to know that uh, we are changing as a people. Uh, when I'm praying and when I am touching the Lord in the secret place, there are some pretty wonderful things that he has for us. And I want to remind you that even the feasts are a demonstration. God tells a story. God tells a story about your life. And there are so many places in the Word, though the Word is one big love letter to his sons and to his daughters and to the bride, though it is one big you know, heart of God, it's broken up into pieces. And the feasts represent some of those pieces that are really important for us to understand. That we understand what our journey is. And it's easy to get frustrated because we think that we should be in other places or experiencing other things. But when you tap into the heart of God, you're on time. You're in His, full, you're in his sight. He's attentive to your cry. And so the feasts represent for us the story, I think, of every person. God said, keep the feast perpetually throughout all generations. And, of course, we started with Passover, right? And he said, Passover is going to be as though it were the first month to you, the new beginning. And then we go on to places of the, of the feast, of this, the, weeks, the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Pentecost, and so on. And I want you to know this morning, it's a really a story of your life. The feasts, when you put them all together and you consider what God wanted to do in the feasts of the days of old, it's the, the Passover isn't gone by and in this distant past. It's still for us to experience. The Feast of Weeks is still for us to experience. The Feast of, of Ingathering, the Feast of Pentecost, the, the trumpet sound, the, the uh, Feast of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, they're all something that God wants you to experience very personally and very intimately. And there's a, there's a really deep message in every single one that reflects your life, that reflects the journey that you're on with the Lord. It reflects seasons of times that you'll experience as you continue to grow and you continue to touch Him and you continue to change. The Feast of Passover was, uh, for some people, it was about a, a, an end of the old and the beginning of the new. Coming out of Egypt, coming out of old places, coming out of carnal, carnal thinking, carnal thoughts. And it's the beginning of something brand new that you've never experienced before. It's kind of like experiencing salvation. Yeah. God provided a way 
that man couldn't provide on its own after being in bondage for so many years. God decided to make a way that that was the time and the season. But we, we understand that first the natural and then the spiritual, right? The natural coming out of the old places, the natural coming out of the bondages, the oppression into something brand new. And Jesus is also a a story about coming into new places of the spiritual. First the natural and then the spiritual. And I want you to understand we're going into a season of time right now that continues to change our lives, that continues to minister and show us the way, to continues to make a way where there seemed to be no way. The trumpet is about to sound. Again. It does every single year, but some years are more significant than others, I feel, at least in my life. I remember some of the seasons and the movements of God how he came down and he sovereignly moved me from one place to another. The trumpet sound is about to, is about to sound, and we announced last week that we're, uh, you can participate in a corporate fast starting on Wednesday. And I don't know uh, what you and God have decided will be your fast, whether it's total food and, and, and a complete fast the way Jesus did, or if it's a Daniel's fast, or if it's a fast from TV or the Internet. I don't know what yours is, but I do invite you to participate. The Spirit of the living God is so much upon the people right now and wanting them to respond, wanting them to know and understand the season and the day that you're in. These are the days where the sons are growing up. These are the days where miracles and signs and wonders happen, just like we sang about a few moments ago. These are the days where the purpose of the feast and the meaning of the feast become a personal and intimate experience. One of those things that you can remember throughout the stories and the seasons of time that you know that God did something in our lives. All of the stories are told over and over again for a purpose because they reflect our lives. They, ref- they let us know, without a plan, he said, without a plan, without wisdom, without knowledge, without understanding, people perish. They have no goal. They have no hope. They have no aspiration to achieve something. Now, I'm not saying that you can achieve any of this on your own, by your own human will or your own decision, but you can participate. And you can be sensitive. And I'm seeing the body of Christ be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Just like we did last week. All of a sudden, there was a move of the Spirit that said, go out. And we did. And we weren't embarrassed or ashamed. We weren't thinking, who's going to see me? Norm was at the far end of the parking lot waving the flag and having a good time. And we were just moving. That's the future for us. When Pentecost came, as wonderful as it was, It says thousands of people were saved on that day and came to Christ. There was the ushering of something brand new and wonderful. But that's not the greatest move. The greatest move is in our day. 
The greatest move is in the moving of God at something called the Feast of Tabernacles where God makes a decision to come and remove sin. Can you imagine when sin is removed? And it's not something that's allowed to be in the atmosphere and on the earth any longer. It's the moving of God's Holy Spirit where at the atonement, the real atonement. Now, there was an atonement at the cross that rent the veil, that allowed us to come into the Holy of Holies and experience God. And even as wonderful as that was, it wasn't the final. There is an atonement coming that still represents the move, a move of God that is worldwide. It says at the trumpet sound, every ear will hear Him. Every eye will see Him. Every knee will bow. I want to build your expectation because the heart of God wants you to come expecting, longing and yearning. He wants you to come. Even saying, God, as much as you have done for me, as much as I love you and as much as I care for you and as wonderful as our relationship is, it's not enough. It's not enough. He's okay. He's okay with that. And I want you to understand that we're in a season of time right now of an impartation from heaven where the things that were spoken about even generations ago are being fulfilled in our day. This is His Word. This is His heart. And I want you to understand we're going into a few weeks of fasting and prayer. What do you want out of that? I would encourage you to be thinking about your what you want out of that in, a t- in, in your prayer time with God. Have a discussion. Let there be an impartation. Don't just go into fasting because the rest of the body did it or because we announced it was supposed to be a corporate thing. Don't do that. That's just religion. And it's dead. And it won't produce anything. God wants you to understand His principles and His ways, His laws and His rules. And He wants us to participate in the way He set out to do them. Even David, even David had a heart to bring the tabernacle, to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It had been stolen, taken out of the land. They determined that they're going to bring it back to Jerusalem. And they, deter- they didn't seek God of how to do it. Right? And so they made a brand new ox cart. They're thinking, well, it's a long ways. The ark is heavy. Right? And they put it on the ox cart. And they began to head to Jerusalem. And the word tells us in Second Samuel chapter 6, it says the oxen stumbled. And the people that were beside the ark reached out to steady it so it wouldn't fall off the ark. And the word tells us that that angered God. Now in one sense, wait a minute. We're doing a righteous thing here. We're bringing the ark back to the holy city. And it took me a long time to figure out why God was mad at the individuals that reached out and tried to steady the ark. Because the Word tells us that He killed them. 
And it took me a long time to figure out they were doing something that honored God. But God didn't see it the way I was looking at it. You see, God gave instructions for the priests to carry the ark on their shoulders. That's where the mantle is. That's where the authority is. That's where the anointing is. When it comes upon you as a, as a garment, of a cloak, and he instructed the priests, and not just anybody, had to be the priests of Aaron, to carry the ark on their shoulders. Because if they were doing that, then they wouldn't have gone into the place of the ark on the wagon, and the oxen stumbled as though God needed help. God wants to be carried in a certain way. God wants to be known in a certain way. God wants you to experience him in a certain way. And when man's ideas get involved in that and try to pen God in in a certain way for their understanding, there becomes a separation and a problem. And I want you to know God calls you kings and priests according to the word. And you're to carry the anointing and the favor of God. And what I'm seeing is an ever-increasing anointing is coming to the body of Christ. And it's allowing you to walk through more difficult places, but at the same time, places that are supernatural. Places that are untouched of man. And just in a movement of God. Because He loves you, and He cares about you. And He wants to fulfill the words that are written about you in the books of heaven. And we're coming to a time called tabernacles when God literally comes and dwells with man. He comes and dwells with His people. And there's a restoration that takes place. Sin is removed. And God is found to be with the people. And I want you to understand, as we go through this season of, of fasting and prayer, things will come up. They do every year. I've watched it happen for 20 years. Things come up in our lives and all of a sudden things are unglued and unhitched. And they seem like a new trial or a new, a new challenge. We're headed in the direction of the feast days where they'll be fulfilled. Jesus returns God comes and lives with the people. Amen? Amen. Trumpets. We celebrate trumpets. Trumpets is a, is a feast where the trumpets were blown. Trumpets were blown in the, in the days of old for several different reasons. Uh, one of them was to gather the people for war, Right? One of them, one of the sounds of the trumpets, when both of them were blown, the silver trumpets, the people were to assemble and they were to move out. They were moved to a brand new place. There's a trumpet sound and many, many of you are moving. Many of you are coming to a new place. And then there was a trumpet sound for just the people to gather and hear the word of the Lord as, as the Lord is speaking in the tent of meeting to Moses. It was a time and a season where they would hear the word of the Lord. But the whole purpose of coming out of, of Egypt 
was to assemble at the mountain and for every single person to hear God themselves. For every single person to, to have a relationship with Him, not out of fear, not out of we have to, out of love. Out of the desire to know Him. And so trumpets is coming right up to be our experience. The trumpet sound of the 29th. Atonement is on October 8th. What a powerful day. What a powerful day atonement would be on that final day when God comes and we hear the trumpet sound and the blood of Jesus speaks of the two goats, right? Remember the story of the scapegoats? where the priest laid the hands on one and the other one went into the wilderness? Remember the story about how when the trumpet sounded, sin was removed. Well, on this day, that was just a, a, a type and a shadow. That was just a, 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 a way by which the children of Israel could be cleansed from, for, the, for a period of time. But now we have the blood of Jesus. It's not about blood of goats and bulls and, and goats. How much more valuable, how much greater impartation. And on that day when the trumpet sounds and we experience that day of atonement, the sin is removed from the earth. Can you imagine? The feasts are, for me, they signify separation. In the feast of Passover, it was separating a people. One people from another. The feast of, of the Holy Spirit, of Pentecost, was about identifying the people. About bringing a power of the Holy Spirit onto a people and that they would experience something supernatural. The Feast of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles is about God coming and dwelling with the people. We have types and shadows of booths, right? We're supposed to leave our homes and dwell under an open heaven in booths. We're supposed to leave familiar places and we're supposed to come and just sit under an open heaven and have relationship with our God. We build booths out here to represent what they did in the days of old. To live under an anointing from heaven and a favor. In closing, I want to read you Joel. This is what I feel is so available right now in the Spirit. Joel 2 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and great in kindness and leave a, and he would leave a and uh, great in kindness and he relents from doing harm who knows if he will relent and leave a blessing behind him a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God blow the trumpet in Zion consecrate a fast call a sacred assembly gather the people sanctify the congregation Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom come out of his chamber. 
and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Sometimes it's easy in the midst of the trial to ask God, Where are you? Where are you? But even in that, there's purpose that we come to know He is faithful and He is still a deliverer today. The same deliverer that delivered the people out of Egypt. Amen? Verse 21, Fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Don't be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the trees bearing fruit. I've been looking at the fruit of my life recently and I've been really discouraged. Have you looked at the fruit of your life and are you thinking, this isn't what I thought it would be? The word, the fear of the Lord, is intended to produce something in your life. And when I look at the scriptures that say the Lord is coming and He prunes every tree and He's looking for fruit, And those that don't have fruit, the branches that don't have fruit, are gathered up and they're thrown into the fire. That's a scary place. That's a sobering place. But then a few few, uh, verses later, it said, God has purposed that His sons shall bear fruit, because this glorifies God. And so now I'm comforted again. It's really not about my idea and my story and my desire to see the fruit that I want. It's really about yielding to Him and letting Him produce the fruit that He wants. Letting Him produce the change in me as an individual that He's happy with. And that is what glorifies God. That's what glorifies the Father. That's what Jesus said, with these things it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain faithfully. And He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. I want you to understand there are two first months. There's three. I know about two. There's the agricultural season that we're in right now. You could say it like this. At the end of the year, the first part of the year began. And at the, in the Feast of Tabernacles, we're celebrating again the harvest. We're celebrating the fields yielding their crops. We're celebrating an ingathering. We're celebrating the favor of God. We're celebrating so many things. But in this time, it's the agricultural beginning. And I want you to know and understand that God intends there to be a beginning, a separation from the old and the beginning of the new. Because he also said to Moses at the feast of of, uh, Passover, this shall be the first month to you. First the natural and then the spiritual. Amen? Amen? So I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten. 
there are so many places where the sons have tried to fulfill their destiny. And it seems like at times, no matter what you do, things are stolen away, things just don't happen the way they're supposed to happen. I will restore the years the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the chewing locusts, the, the consuming locusts, my great army that I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. My people. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. God's Spirit shall be poured out, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. These are the seasons that we're in. These are the times that we're in. We have a promise from God in Joel chapter 2. And the promise speaks of a tabernacle's promise. It speaks of a season where things change. When we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And in that season of time, the blood of Christ has atoned for our past. Whatever it is, Whatever guilt, whatever angst, whatever anguish you have been plagued with, whatever the devil tries to convince you that it's too big a sin and it can't be corrected, according to the Word of God, that doesn't stand true in the courts of heaven nor in the hearts of the Father. Because he said, this is my work. And I will surely complete the work that I started until the day of completion where you become like my Son, Jesus Christ. So these are the beginnings of the days when we enter into the fasting, when we enter into the prayer. The devil will very likely come to you and try and convince you you're not accomplishing anything, right? You're really not doing anything. You might lose a little weight or you might lose a little sleep, but that's about it. That's not true according to the Word of God. The Word of God says when my people pray, heaven shuts down and listens. And I encourage you to meet with us on Wednesday, 6 to 7, that we pray. It's in those seasons of time that things in heaven are moved. Things of heaven take on a new purpose and a new meeting within the hearts of the people. And I want to encourage you that we're in a season of time as we begin and we come together and we fast and pray in preparation for those specific days. 
Days of atonement, days of tabernacles where God comes and dwells with his people. This is going to be a feast unlike any other. They're all different. They're all unique. They all have their own blessings and their own visions and understanding and encouragement. But for now, I want to encourage you, get with God and decide what, how you're going to be participating in a fast that's corporate, that God tends to answer in signs and wonders just days later. Every time we go through this thing, something happens in the spiritual realm and in God's heart and in the heavenlies that shifts. And I don't want you to be ignorant or unaware. I'm telling you, God is telling us now. God is telling us beforehand what He is about to do in the hearts of the people. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Come. Amen? Amen. Let me switch you over here. New Year is governmental, legislative. Legislative. Thank you, Lord, for Norm. Sean mentioned that every year the feasts are different. They're unique. And he mentioned that this year is going to be a special year. And it is. You know why? Because on trumpets it appears on a Sabbath. And tabernacles begins on a Sabbath. And in Judaism, on Sabbath days when a holiday occurs, there's a double blessing. A double blessing upon the people. So I'm praying that you will come and you will experience, I hope with me, a double blessing. A double blessing on, tab, uh, on uh, trumpets, which is uh, Rosh Hashanah, and on tabernacles, which is Sukkot. It's a day of double blessing. Don't miss it. Don't miss it this year because it is indeed a special year. Hallelujah. Thank you, Norm. Can you handle five more minutes? Thank you, Sean. It's wonderful when we gather together, Kathy and I, we purpose uh, just prior to Tabernacles to take a week off, get outside of the camp, get outside of the camp and hear from the Lord. Thank you, Sean. We as leaders, Sean's been uh, trying to express what he's been able to receive in the last 20 years. Kathy and I, it's our 50th in a while. But we don't have all the answers. And you have a man here that's purposing to bring all of us to the place where he's trying to understand himself of what God is doing. And I love that because this is a training center, and so this is how we learn. Everybody has what God has given them to bring to the house. But I continue to hear the word expectation. Now, the people of the God of Israel, there was expectation. Are we not the people called of God? What do you think their first and foremost expectation was? Many of them had to travel hundreds, even thousands of miles to go to the city. 
leave everything behind. What do you think was one of the most important things that they went for? The feast, yes, but relationship. The tribes, they had the areas of where they were designated to live, but many times their family members, they hadn't seen them since the previous feast days, which was probably Passover. And then obviously the expectation of what was God going to do? And more than what was he going to do, they knew that God was going to be there. Pretty simple. So we can complicate it, can't we? So we have an expectation in our hearts for what? Just getting together. Most of you, we've had this opportunity at times to go out to Singing Hills, and we would spend four or five days, and you'd never have to go home. You wouldn't have to cook. You wouldn't have to take out the trash. You wouldn't have to worry about the laundry. But you'd build relationship with each other. And then what would you say? We don't want to leave. And so when the presence of God manifested when he was speaking to Moses, all of Israel knew. Because only Moses at that time could go into the Holy of Holies besides the priest that once a year. But they knew that every time that pillar of fire was there, Moses was face to face with God. Can you imagine how many of those wished that they could have been in the presence of God? You see, I just want to express to you this time that we find ourselves in. It was wonderful for Kathy and I to get outside of the camp because there is something very different in the atmosphere. We were coming back, and it was just like we, we weren't sure what we were coming back to, because it wasn't the same. The atmosphere was different. When we got up this morning, it was different. And so there's something that God is doing, and I honestly believe it's because of our relationship with him and with one another. So as we see this time of in gathering. Surely it stands out during that time of the feast days. But you know what? We're very, very fortunate as a people. We experience this every Sunday because he's here. Come on, he's here. And we have expectation of coming together and seeing one another, but also seeing him in one another and how he's going to manifest. And so we could surely wait for these feast days. But when the fullness does come, he's not just going to come visit us. That's what Sean was trying to say. He's going to dwell with us. He's not going anywhere. We're turning back to the days of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. Can you imagine waking up every morning saying, I wonder what God is going to have to say today? Not just three times a year. And see, it's a type and shadow of that which God has purposed to establish that we would see that take place as a people of God every single day. didn't take a holiday, didn't take a feast day. Because that's where we are going. He's restoring all things, and he's restoring our relationship back to him. When Sean's talking about removing sin, presently, I'll just make this really simple. When Jesus came, what did he do? He came to cover our sin. But in his second coming, as Sean was trying to elude with the goat, there was two goats that were sent out. One, the sins were laid off hands upon. The other one was sent out. And in turn, there's going to be a day that those, when Jesus returns, all that we've purposed to do in our hearts through repentance, crying out to him, saying, God, this is Paul, why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? 
Why can't I do the things that I want to do? But in that day, all the things that you and I have purposed in our hearts to position ourselves that Jesus could cover our sin, on that day of atonement, on that final day, when that trumpet does sound, in the closure of this church age as we know it, because we're seeing it change up already. Feast of Pentecost, those in the upper room, those 120, they were doing what their forefathers had done, kept the Old Testament feast. And guess what? The Holy Spirit came in on that 10th day, and what took place? Everything changed. They didn't know what they were expecting. Jesus said, wait for the power upon high. Can you imagine 120 of us in an upper room waiting for something we had no idea what it was about? You had your idea of what the power of upon high looks like. I have my idea. Will not the Day of Atonement be the same? Well, let's just go and we're going to gather and we're going to hear the trumpet sound. And some people hear it, but I don't. But when the fullness comes, you're going to know it. All of them are going to know it in the earth because the cemetery down the road here, all those that are dead in Christ, they're going to be walking amongst us for ten days. I love you. Come on, Val. Come on. Uh huh. Come on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the look is going to be on your face when they come down? To, well, you're going to be in your new place. They're going to come up and visit you. Probably won't be enough room to contain them all. (laughs) Do you love it or do you love it? That's what relationship. There shouldn't be fear of the day of the Lord. We shouldn't. (laughs) We shouldn't put strength in the things that we just don't know about. We have a portion. But we do know our love for one another, our love for him. We sense and we're aware of this fellowship, this time that every time we come together, right? So there be that day when you see those that are walking, then you'll know that Jesus has come to remove everything that you've worked so hard and believed for to see removed out of your life. Because it's going to be no longer you that lives. It's going to be him. Okay, now just stop and think about that. These are people that are dear to Val. She's experienced salvation. She knows Jesus. So I don't know if the other family members have. There's probably two things going on in her heart. I hope that I can sheet them again. I hope that they too have eternal life. For those that do, I know that I have an expectation to see them. And see, this is that deep groaning deep inside. This is the prayer that comes through the Holy Spirit that you and I don't even know the words to it, but it utters before God. And that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's your language that you communicate with God. 
we can think about possibly loved ones and they're dead, but there's this crying out in our spirit, man. God, are those that I have known through my life, will they be those amongst the ones that are walking? Or won't they? Because only those that have been saved walk. They'll be the first resurrection. And so we see this time, and I just want you to continue to recognize, I mean, look around. You don't have to wait for eight days of tabernacles. Any week of any time, or any two weeks if we wanted to, we could just say, you know what, we're going to gather for eight days, and we're going to do potlucks, and we're just going to do eight days. We don't have to wait for the feast. We can do that any time we want. Another upside down pie. Absolutely. That goes along with the... Raspberry pie. So do you sense, do you sense, what, because we as leaders, we're just trying to figure it out just like you are. We don't have all the answers because everything is new every morning. I don't care if I've been keeping this list for 50 years. It's going to be new this year. It has to be because that's God's word. So as we begin to move into this time and we begin to see this heart relationship continue to to be massaged and invited because you know what you probably wouldn't want to spend eight days with me right now can you imagine that Belinda just all of a sudden you know like Val six people are going to come and spend eight days with you I don't think so no I don't think so But I just want you to know that these times, just like Psalms 139, the day that you were appointed by God to be born, fashioned and shaped by God before you even entered your mother's womb, so aren't the feast days of the Lord. They're appointed specific feast days accomplish that which is important to God when you're in my life that the world would know that he is. Bottom line. We carry the presence of an unseen God that he might be evident in his son of that which he's prepared for all of humanity to have that opportunity be restored back to him in deep, deep, intimate relationship. And he'll call you by name. He'll call you by name. Don't be just the children of God. Be Ed. Kyle. Belinda. Isn't there something just in the sound of your name? It just can you imagine in your deepest time of worship where the presence of the Lord does minister to you? Can you imagine being in that place that God speaks your name? Terry. Audibly. You can understand why when the glory of the Lord filled the temple. They were all prostrate. 
sound of his voice just dismantles anything that we could even dare to think that we could resist him. It's his love. His love envelops, overtakes every thought, every emotion, 